Welcome to Copilots, the podcast where we watch not just the first episode of a show, but also the second. Some shows just don't have the best pilot episode, and giving them that second chance might just change your mind. Here we take that second chance for you, and let you know if a show deserves more than just one shot. I'm Justice, alongside me is my co-pilot Josh. Now, let's get ready for takeoff. Your in-flight entertainment this week will be... First Kill. Hill is a new show from Netflix, 2022, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it's, it's very new. Yeah. Just came out. Very new. Very vampire. We just turned June into vampire month. Hey, it works. It's fine. This is the chance when they have the least amount of time for retaliation. I mean, it is the summer solstice very soon. 18 hours of daylight for most of the world. Yeah, we'll be fine. It's good. It's good. So, First Kiss describes itself as... First Kill. Sorry. First, first Kiss kill. is the name of this episode. First Kiss is the name of the episode. First Kill describes itself as... A modern day Twilight. Meets or, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah, a modern day Twilight meets Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Honestly. Because it doesn't really explain oh. itself that way. It compares the love interest thing going on there to Buffy and Angel and Edward and Bella. Yeah. You've met Buffy and Angel and Edward and Bella. Now meet Julia, Julia and, and Cal. Cal. So the basic explanation I heard for the show essentially boiled down to, oh, it has like the cringe of Twilight with some of the stuff from... Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, equivocally, it's just a cringy, sapphic Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So I don't know if I can agree with like. I, here's I'm not I'm not denying that. Here's the thing. I am publicly a fan of the Twilight novels. Yes, I have said that they're terrible, but I they're very bad. I've never seen a Twilight movie past Twilight. I have unfortunately seen them all. I haven't seen New Moon or Eclipse or Breaking Dawn or Breaking Dawn Part Two. Yeah, I have never seen a Twilight movie past Twilight. I have. So I can't, I don't, like, I assume they're not comparing themselves to the book because this has none of the feels of the Twilight book. No. And by that, I mean, like, really heavy uh, overtones of, like, Mormonism. <laughs> yeah, no. Like, not necessarily Mormonism, but, like, a push of purity, like... The yeah, idea. no, this doesn't have that. Yeah, 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 yeah. In fact, the first episode, well, I guess we have to talk about the intro first. <sighs> we have to talk about this intro, don't we? The intro is all... The cringiest motherfucking shit I've ever heard. The song is very bad. I don't have a problem with the animation, though. No, the, the opening animation's fine. It's all paper drawings of the characters going through scenes, basically. None of the scenes from the show, but just, like, little story scenes that tie to the song. And it's all in black and white, except, like... The blood. Red highlights. It's not just blood, but yeah. it's, like, there's a red dress. Like, red highlights, the black and white. Like, it's a fine opening cinematic. Mm-hmm. It's the song. The song isn't good. It's so bad. It's so bad. As Josh described it at one point, it's very Ghost Town. If you don't know who the band Ghost Town is, good. Yeah, you're probably better off that way. As my friend once described them, they're like a modern day version of The Doors. His friend was wrong. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to clarify that context or uh, she will kill me. They just meant that both bands don't have an actual live bassist and use keyboards to fill in bass roles. (laughs) Yeah. Which is true. They both use keyboards to substitute for bass. But line. one of them does it really, really, really fucking well, and the other one is Ghost Town. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Anyways, so, like I was saying, it definitely doesn't have any of that puritism push that Twilight does, 
because the opening scene is Juliet and Calliope, our main characters, hardcore making out. Yes, all in heavily filtered red light. We see some flowers blooming, some blood pills dropping. We're going to call them blood pills. The show never gives us a name for them, but they're pills that are red that vampires take to substitute for feeding on humans. They're just true blood blood pills. The true blood didn't have blood pills. They had like just the thing. They, they had synthetic blood, yeah. Which which came in like beer cans and shit. I oh. know, but I'm saying they're like the equivalent of the synthetic blood from true blood. True blood's so good though. Yeah. I, I mean, I obviously don't know if they're synthetic. They may have found some way to make a jail capsule to put it around some blood, but she appears to be consuming these things later with additional water. So I assume it's a highly concentrated amount of blood, which implies more to me that it should actually be a plasma, which means it should be more of a yellow pill instead of a red pill. She's red pill. She's very red pill. <laughs> She's very red. Pill. Pilled. And it fits with the idea that she's supposed to be conforming to her family belief values. Oh, so you want to dive into that topic before we actually get into the show? Then uh, Julia has vampire sex murder dream about Calliope. That's the opening scene. Yeah. So horror movies and monster movies specifically. Yes. Monsters almost always stand for like some form of social commentary. Like yeah, Godzilla is nuclear fear mm. and later godzilla becomes like the idea of nuclear weapons being a, a way to protect yourselves yes or in american versions of godzilla it is sometimes a still a communistic fear yeah because it's america and like vampires are like a fear of not just like publicly expressed sexuality which is a large part of it mm-hmm. but also like the bourgeois the bourgeois and later drug addiction and alcoholism and like yeah it's got va- um in some cases, extreme PTSD as well. Yeah, like... It's, it's literally something that you cannot control is generally what it represents. Unless we're talking about the more social aspects of the vampires, in which case it's generally a commentary on the rich. Yeah. And for First Kill, the vampire's commentary, which we paused halfway through episode one to discuss this because... Yeah. We were having a, we were having a trouble, like, finding the... It makes overtones as if it's going for equivocally the sexual metaphor but it really doesn't work because it is quite blatant Mm -hmm. even without it so we agreed it kind of has to be going for the social metaphor or like a uh familiar conformity yeah vampirism here represents some form of like social norms and traditions of your family yeah conservatism this aspect of like because my family believes a certain way i have to believe a certain way and yeah exactly and so does the other faction we get here it's definitely the same way they both fit those truths yeah both vampires and the hunter faction are both in a similar manner yeah because if it wasn't obvious enough by the main character being named juliet this show is um we have to do the whole star-crossed lovers thing obviously it's very romeo juliet Um, yeah but without a romeo which is fine because let's face it he was kind of a shit character in that play but also so was juliet romeo and juliet is a love story about shitty people yeah, shitty people fucking over good friends, really. Because yes. they um, both have excellent close friends that they just fuck over throughout that play. So, yeah. So, Juliet has this vampire sex murder dream. She wakes up. She blames her blood pills for the, for causing the nightmares. Yeah, like, that's what she seems to be doing. And really, there's not much to this. She's just preparing for school, we get complaining com- about her dreams. And we get, like, this commentary from her. She's narrating the scene where she's like, do you ever feel like everybody else around you has life figured out, but you don't? Which is the most high school take ever. Yeah. Because that's how life feels, but only because you only experience people one-dimensionally, typically. Yeah. They're only players in your life. 
It's very uh, solipistic, where nothing matters but you. So everything. Yeah. Anyway, solipism. Yeah, but so solipistic. Solipistic, yeah. Yeah. The viewer theory that the self is all that can be known to exist. Yeah, it's it's a very solipistic thing because like she's viewing all these people around her as being completely certain of who they are because again she only experiences them. Yeah. And on a surface level, from there, after she seems to sneak into her sister's room, I guess. Yeah, I thought it was her room still, but I didn't because I clocked the giant modern painting of her sister in very uh, bright primary colors sitting above a fireplace. I was like, you don't, you don't have a picture of your own family sitting above like that. Like, I didn't realize it wasn't her room at first, but when we see her sister immediately following the scene, I was like, oh, that was her sister's room, because her sister, one, strikes me as an extreme narcissist, and also, as someone with siblings, I can confirm, I would not have a giant portrait of either of my siblings sitting above a fireplace in my, I guess, wing of a house. He's lying to you. His bedroom actually has two fireplaces. Over one is a picture of me, and over the other is a picture of our sister. Why are you going to fucking call me out like that on the podcast, (laughs) man? I like to imagine when I'm burning things in the fireplace that I'm burning them alive, okay? Uh, I just thought that would be weird to express on a podcast, so I didn't say it. So yeah, she steals her sister's lipstick, Mm -hmm. puts it on, and then heads downstairs. Where her mother confronts her about some pills. We don't know what they are at this point in the scene, but we, as we talked about, they're the blood pills. Yeah, and her mom's like, you need to, you have to stop using these. Yeah. it's, It's time. Your body's changing. It's normal. Which can also be seen, especially given the fact that this is an LGBTQ plus, like, show, it can also be seen as an idea of, like, almost hormone therapy as well, like. So, yes, but I I did the thing I do sometimes. I broke the rules. I read an interview with the creator of the series. Yeah. Uh, and she specifically didn't want any of the story to be centered around the characters being gay. Yeah, no, that's fine. And also, like, that, I would say that scene can only really express that way in the very beginning. Because mm-hmm. afterwards, her parents do show support for her and such. Yeah. It's just in this scene, before you get started, it could be seen that way. Yeah. Because they seem very against these pills. And they're like, it's natural for your body to change, which is the whole argument as to why you shouldn't take hormone suppressants, especially if someone's like, hey... You're not yeah. at an age to make that so, informed decision yourself. About which, fuck off. Three of our main characters are all openly gay. Yes. And the creator of the show specifically stated that she didn't want this show to be about their sexuality. Being gay because they're in, people before they are exactly, a sex. In most media, a gay character is only a main character if the show is about their gayness. For example, Love Victor, the thing that is currently being displayed on this other television here. God, but Love Simon was so good. Oh yeah, Love Simon was good. I'm just saying, like that's that's true. Yeah. So the show is about a lesbian romance, but it's not like it doesn't make it a thing. It's just like, hey, these are the people in, in love with each other. Congratulations, yeah, go with it. The show doesn't change because it's lesbians. It could be any two people. It could be two guys. It could be a guy or a girl. Two Which non-binaries. Is legitimately, probably my favorite thing about the first two episodes that we've seen. Yes, that is. I, I know we're not. We're like so so early in the episode, but like. Yeah, that's probably the best thing about this. Two episodes. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. So her parents are like, hey, you're going to need to stop taking these. It's fine. You, it's, it's time for you to mm-hmm. like stop taking these pills. And like. And then we meet her sister who comes in. Apparently, she was out all night. Her parents critique her. And she's just like, I've never been late to work. It's fine. It's none of your business. I'm home now. And then th- their dad's like, it is my business. You work for me. And she's like, have I ever been late to work? Yeah. And then there's a horn beeping. And it's Benjamin Willer. Yes. He's a duelist, and his sister's going blind. That's why he has to win Battle Battle City. City. Actually, that's not why he has to win Battle City. It's why he needed to get as far as he did in Duelist Kingdom. And she's actually currently getting the surgery during Battle City. 
But the Dark Duelists are making it really hard, and at a point she gets kidnapped, and it's before she has her surgery, and then she gets the surgery. And the entire meanwhile that's going on, your best friend's, like, making weird advances on your blind sister, who's, like, two years younger than all of you. And and then, like, when she does finally get the surgery done, you've been corrupted by the power of a dark millennium item, and have been forced to attempt to murder your best friend, and if you don't murder him, instead you'll get murdered, and this is the first time she, she could get to see you in her entire life, and she wants you to be the first person she ever saw, but... You're, you're terrified because you're evil now and you don't want her to see you be yeah. like murdering your So that's your, your entire friend. struggle that actually eventually snaps you out of being controlled by an all-powerful ancient item. And also you happen to drive a Jeep and listen to Kelly Clarkson and you're going to drive your best vampire friend to school now. I love that I initially didn't realize when you transferred from talking about Joey to Ben again. <laughs> you're like, and you drive a Jeep and I was like, wait, does Joey drive a Jeep in that? God, no. The only one with a car in that fucking show is Duke Devlin. Uh, uh, Kaiba has a car. No. Kaiba... Has people who have cars. Kaiba has a personal jet. It looks like a blue eyes white dragon. Again, he has people. No, he flies the jet himself. Actually, Mokuba flies the jet. Okay, anyways. Mokuba also flies a helicopter at a point. That was a tangent down Yu-Gi-Oh lane. For no reason. Um, Anyways, her best friend Ben Willer shows up, honks the horn. Her parents are like, you can tell him we have a doorbell. And Juliet goes, he knows. That's why he honks the horn. Yeah. So Juliet goes to leave. Her sister stops her. And she's just just like, yo, kill someone. But not outright. She's just like, hey, it's fine. You should do things. This scene's also really a lot of Eleanor, uh, Juliet's older sister, infantilizing her. Thank you. Yeah. Because she grabs her by the face, tells her that that lipstick's not her collar. Wipes it off. Uh, Lets her hair down and calls her Sweet Sweet Little. Little, Sweet Sweet Little is Eleanor's nickname for Juliet. Weird fucking nickname. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, vampires, it's okay. But yeah, so then she heads out to the car to join Ben. Can I actually tell you what my second favorite thing about this series is? Sure. What's the biggest issue with vampire-human romances in most media? The fact that the vampires are super, 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 super fucking old? Yeah. That's not an issue in this show. Seemingly, yes. Well, I mean, yeah, it shouldn't be, right? Yeah, no, exactly. We can get to that in a point, though. Yeah. So we see now Ben and Juliet driving to school. We get an establishing shot of Savannah, Georgia. <laughs> Which nobody in the world, except for Georgians, are going to recognize as Savannah, Georgia. Yeah, I was just like, I know that's on the east coast of America, and it's one of the older historical cities. They go to Lancaster Academy. So with that establishing shot and the fact that it was Lancaster Academy, I was like, oh, we're in Pennsylvania, obviously. Yeah, and I was just like, I don't know, it's somewhere along the eastern seaboard. Could be Maryland. Could be Pennsylvania. Could be Georgia. I listed all three. I was right on one account. So, yeah. You, you did not say Georgia. I did. I think I also mentioned one of the Carolinas as well. I was just going through places that I knew were on the Eastern Seaboard oh, and that just, weren't New you York. You were just naming colonies. You're like, <laughs> yeah, I was. I was. Na- I named colonies that weren't New York. Could be Florida. Florida was a colony, right? <laughs> but yeah. And in here we get the history of Ben and Juliet. They've been friends since they were like five. They've done everything together. They briefly dated oh, oh, when they were twelve. On. And then we get a flashback with that. Yes. And it's the same actors. And, okay, so Ben's actor is, what, you said 21? 21, I believe, yeah. Yeah. Juliet's actor is 27. 27. And, like, neither of them look super old. They actually look fairly good for their parts. But, uh, like, 17, 18-year-old aesthetic does not match to 12-year-olds. So we get a flashback of them as 12-year-olds, and it's still played by the same actors. And all they've done is put Juliet in a tie-dye shirt with, like, overalls. Uh, overalls that are actually shorts, so, like, the romper overall things. 
And they put Ben in like khakis with a tucked in polo shirt and a backwards hat. The backwards hat is just like the And they've pulled the, the camera pretty far back and angled it from above so they look smaller. And they have no one else in the shot, so you can't compare their size to other people. But they're standing next to a normal fence. And a fountain. Yeah. And they look so stupid. This This is my favorite part of this show. Okay, so while we're here, I want to be clear, I hate this show. I don't hate it. I don't particularly like it. It is the perfect level of cringe if you want to watch something cringe though. It's literally painfully cringe. Yeah, there are people that watch that shit for some reason. Okay, anyways, they get to school. Um, uh, no, she also mentions here that they stopped dating though when they both realized they played for the other team, that they were both gay. Yeah, okay, that's right. Yeah. Because Ben's gay awakening. He's making out with another basketball player and Juliet's is seeing another girl propose to another girl in the school locker room. Wild. Yeah, I feel like that's based some stereotypes on same-sex relationships. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. More interesting to me, though, is the two high schoolers proposing to each other. In a locker room filled with other people. Yeah, that's weird. Like, that feels like an intimate moment. A lot of people propose in public. Is a locker room public? Locker rooms don't feel like public. They're like that fun in-between space where it's not private. It's not a private space, but it's also not like a full public space. Uh, it's like a public restroom situation. And you mentioned it earlier, but they're jamming Kelly Clarkson's... Um, Maybe next time he'll think. Yeah. Terrible song. And they're not just like listening to the song. No, they are actively singing along with it. And based on like, so you know how TV shows have a feel of time that isn't like one to one with real time. Yes. Based on the way this drive is shot with the like establishing shots and the cut back on that different road. They didn't just listen to this Kelly Clarkson song once because it's playing when he picks her up. And when they get to school. They they just had the song on repeat. It feels like they had to have, yeah. They just had it on repeat. Mm-hmm. But we get to school, they get out, and we see... I think one of them just got cheated on or dumped. I'm gonna go with Ben. That's the only way you just jam that song on repeat. Yeah. Regardless of your sexual orientation, that's the only way you listen to that song on repeat. Be all end all. No, no, you're entirely right. So they get out of their Jeep, though, and we see Ben's amazing sweater. I love... So this this show has specifically has a stupid sweater budget. Yes. Not like Christmas sweater, stupid sweater, but stupid sweater. Because in this episode, Ben gets one. Next episode, Juliet gets one. Mm -hmm. And I hope this is just a running thing throughout the series. I want it to be passed off between every major character at some point. Anyways, Ben says, I'm a luxury. On the front, yeah. And on the back, it says, that few can afford. And it's like salmon pink, white stripe with the text in the white stripe, and then Uh, salmon pink. Yeah. So it's actually salmon pink, a small gold break Mm. between the gold and then the white, and then the, it's a giant white stripe, and the lettering is done in a nice, like, turquoise almost. Mm -hmm. Turquoise or teal. Like, it's very nice. I I unironically love this sweater and want one. Yeah. Honestly, as we'll see in this establishing shot, because there's so many establishing shots when we first get to the school. Yes. A lot of this school is, like, very... University. Well, that. But I was talking clothing-wise, like... Southern Southern Baptist conservative? I was going to say, yeah, definitely conservative, but has a lot of pastel tones to a lot of people's clothing. Pentecostal conservative. Eh. Not, not quite. Not that far. Southern Baptist. That was right. I was right the first time. Having grown up as both a Pentecost and a Southern Baptist, it's okay for me to make these judgments. Yeah. So they, they get to the school and we just cut to them like leaving gym class or like going to do gym class. Yeah, it's unclear. They are in gym clothes though. Surrounded by other people in gym clothes, some of whom are still wearing things that gym, cl- gym class would not let you wear. Like long up to the elbow fingerless gloves. Or like really loose chain style necklaces. 
a, a choker with a chain dangling down to about the bottom of your sternum. And Ben's like, so you're going to the party tonight, right? And she's just like, I, I don't know. I don't really like parties. He's like, no, you have to go. You're my wingman. Yeah. And then she's like, wing woman. And he's like, okay, so you're in? Yeah. And then we cut from there to a bit more B-roll of people and then immediately to the cafeteria. And it's the same conversation. This yes. Is, I love this trope. It's the stupidest trope in movies and mm-hmm. television. What's his name? He directed uh, the Dream movie, Inception. Christopher Nolan. Yeah, so Nolan has... I don't... He, he's a decent director. He's done good work. But, like, he's not my favorite director or anything, but he does have a quote about movies I really like. And it applies to TV as well. Yes, it's about how it's a visual representation of Dream rather than a visual representation of normal life. And everybody understands that subconsciously. Because yeah. if they didn't, stuff like this would just be, like... What the fuck? How? Immediately called out every time. Yeah. Also, I'm immediately calling it out every time. Mm-hmm. So they're basically just talking about the party and he's trying to get her to go. And she's too busy staring at this girl sitting alone in the cafeteria. Reading a book. Her name is Calliope. Yes. And then, so they finish up their conversation. Not not really. They're now outside talking and he's talking about what he's wearing to the party and how he's going to wear some name brand stuff, but not too many because he doesn't want to be seen as a label whore, which <laughs> I didn't. I, I like the term. I didn't catch this conversation that well. Yeah. And then they bump into Calliope. They not, they don't bump into Calliope. Juliet bumps into Calliope and drops her blood pills. And she keeps them in like a breath mint container, like the type of container that like Icebreakers comes in. Except it's made of metal and older. It looks more like an old, like fancy blush compact container. Oh yeah, that's, that's actually a much better comparison. Or it's an like old a, metal coin purse. You're so much more right than I am. You're so much more right than I am. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it, it knocks out of her hands, falls, pills go everywhere. She's she bit- scrambling to pick them up. Yeah. Calliope helps pick them up, and her best friends just continue to walk away. Calliope doesn't help pick them any, pick any of them up. I thought she did. No. No. Okay. Yeah. So her best friend kind of walks away. Ben what kind of walks away. He's standing on like a hill above them now. Yeah. And they, they start a conversation. Uh, apparently, this is the first time they've spoke. Yes. This is their meet cute. And in the background, Ben is trying to encourage Juliet to invite Calliope to the party. And she's like, so my friend is making me go to this party tonight. And Calliope's just like, I don't like parties. They're kind of dumb. And she's like, yeah, same. But if you go, we can hang out. And like, there's also this moment where she's like, oh, I'm Juliet. And then Calliope's like, my name's Calliope. I'm in your English class. And Juliet's like, yeah, and my physics class and my PE class. You know who we didn't see in her PE class? Calliope. Yep. And then Calliope's like, you could just call me Cal though. Yeah. And Juliet goes, oh, but I like Calliope. Or she says Calliope is strange as yeah. a strange name and then like fumbles. And then clarifies that she it's strange as and unique, but cool. And then Calliope's like, ha, you would literally like my brothers then. Their names are Theseus and Apollo. Which, yes, I do like those names. And I like Calliope. Why? Why go by Cal? Calliope's a cooler name. I just think it's interesting to name your children after two fictional characters that boinked each other. Yeah, because Calliope is a daughter of zeus and nemesis and some things and more the caspians and apollo fucked like all the caspians yeah apollo and calliope on the reg yeah just seems a little weird to me i agree i'm sorry theseus didn't fuck either of the two it'd be like naming your children i don't know isabella and uh edward yeah except that's a little more cringe a lot more cringe well yeah but you you have three children two males and one female so it's like naming one isabel or bella the other one edward and the other one jacob yeah that's exactly what it's like <laughs> and then if you have another daughter you can name her renesme because that's her real name mm. no it's not uh twilight never change yeah so anyways we then see julia at home 
she wants to go to a party. She's talking to her parents about the pills again. And her parents are like, no, you can't You can't keep taking uh, oh, them. No, we don't. Sorry. I felt like we should have because even here I was confused because they're heading out towards the parking lot is where they're going. Oh, yes. And then they're back in English class. Oh, yeah. Weird. They were heading away from the school, which appears to be one giant building. Towards the way they came in, fucking Ben takes off up the hill where we can see the top of some cars. Actually, before we move on to English class, I have to... This is the first scene where it becomes an issue, but it becomes it continues to be an issue throughout these two episodes. Both episodes have this problem. The show has like a weird love for dissonant music soundscapes behind conversations. Yeah. And like, it'd be okay if it actually stayed behind the conversation. Mm-hmm. Or worked well with the conversation's shape. Or, or like the mood of the conversation even. But it doesn't do any of that. But it, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't like sit in the mood of the scene. Like the music in this meat cute is like tense. Which actually kind of makes sense given the fact that we know one's a vampire and we will shortly learn the other's a hunter. Or, or if you read the description, you know. We don't know that right now. And also like, more importantly, like, yeah, it kind of, it kind of like, it leans into Juliet's social like awkwardness. Yeah. But like, it doesn't. It doesn't work for our meet scene. No. And then it gets louder than the dialogue. Like, yeah. The music... As she starts to ramble, the music gets louder and her voice gets a bit quieter. Like. And this isn't the only scene that happens in. No, actually here in English, where it kind of makes sense, luckily, but it's still badly done, I would say. We have Juliet in class and she's talking about how her senses have felt a bit sharper and things and how she just is like picking up on everything. And as she mentions that, we get a bit of a reddish filter and we get the dissonance music coming up and it's very like bass noise heavy. But why would you use a sound that drowns out all of your background noise when your character is literally talking about hearing everything? You should boost the levels of the other stuff. You could still have like a drone underneath all of it, but you should boost the background noise and chatter up a bit. You can... I Add hate- some texture and filters to it, but like. So I like the red coloring that, like, when yeah, that's she, fine. When she when she get, like, is entering like a bloodlusty state, it works thematically. Is poorly executed in multiple scenes. Yeah, I'm fine with the red coloring. That's fine. What I'm not fine with is this goddamn sound cues that go with it. Yeah. It. Like, the best explanation would be the sound cue is supposed to be, like, a rise in, like, blood pressure, a rise in, like, heart beating faster, blood rising, that, like, kind of pulsing low buzz you hear in your inner ear when your blood's really pumping, right? Or when there's no other noise and yeah. your brain is trying to drive <laughs> that you That would make sense. But when you're actively calling out hearing everything around you, you can't use that sound. It doesn't work. Anyways, Unless you're using it as a low-level background noise with the other stuff added on top of it. Anyways, Calliope's late for class. The teacher's a dick, so he makes her stand in front of the class. With he also ba- looks vaguely Stephen King X to me. Like, vaguely like a Stephen King. A little bit, yeah. Uh, anyways, the teacher's a dick, so he does what dick teachers do and makes her stand in front of the class and read the excerpt for the class. Which I've never... Without even going to her seat first or anything. Yeah. Like, which I'm going to be honest, I've never really understood that as a punishment in most of the time in like high school. Unless you know the student is like actively bad at reading. Well, In which case, you're kind of just a shitty teacher in addition to being a dick, right? Well, the larger issue is it's public speaking and people in general don't like public speaking. Yeah. In fact, if I remember correctly, public speaking is one of the top three fears in America. Yeah, no, but my point is like more often than not in a lot of English classes that I've seen, that I've experienced in my life and seen shows and stuff, they'll still make you read it anyways. Yeah. So how is it really a punishment to make you do it now? Because she has to do it while wearing her backpack. Yeah, that's... And, that's... and like, school books are heavy. Yeah, that's literally the only part that would be a punishment, it, though, right? It's just physical punishment. Yeah. But anyway, she reads it, and meanwhile, Julia is zoning out and going on about how basically whenever... 
Calliope's around. She's so focused on Calliope that an hour feels like five minutes. And then the bell rings. Yeah. Okay, so... Though there is a brief moment where we kind of move the camera around to groups of people at the tables and we get a bit more of, like, them talking and stuff. Yeah. It's muted, but we do acknowledge the fact that she is supposedly hearing all of these people. So, I like the fact that there isn't, like, a 100-200 year age disparity between these characters. Agreed. I don't like the fact that they literally met today. Yes. They didn't even know each other's names. Except, apparently, Juliet did know her name and has been aware of it for two weeks, but she also blatantly states to herself in her own thinking and obsessions at a point that she didn't notice Calliope until today. The show contradicts itself on that point, and it's annoying. Uh, so, after and, English class... Well, honestly, uh, that's the point that slightly bothers me, because it f- falls very much into a big stereotype about lesbian relationships, which is that they happen super fucking fast, constantly. How do you know lesbians have been together for a couple months? They live together. Or how do you know lesbians have been dating for almost a year? Oh, they're already married. Like, I've heard those things multiple times. I obviously disagree with them. But, like, the examples we are given so far in the show is we see a young lesbian couple getting married, well, proposing in a locker room. And then, at a point, I think it's in the next episode, at least in her head, Juliet says that she thinks she loves Calliope. Has talked to her, like, four times, maybe. They've literally existed in each other's space for two weeks. Okay, so by the time she says that, they've talked to each other... At school. At school, at the party, in the office, on the roof. Four times, you're right. In the hallway. Five, sorry. Five times. They've talked to each other five times, and one of those one of those interactions was them literally trying to murder each other. Two of those interactions was mm-hmm. them literally mm-hmm. trying to murder each other. Yeah, which I get. It's the classic story, whole, like, right, we're putting romance in the story or whatever. It's going to be fine. They're going to fall in love at first sight. They're going to fall in love really quickly. That's fine. But when your only examples of lesbian relationships so far have both fall pretty easily into what is an actual stereotype that exists... Not great. Is it our space to criticize them, though? Eh. Fair point. It's our podcast. It is our space, too. Like, I think we're just pointing out something that can be seen as a stereotype. I'm not saying it's... Uh, That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. Explicitly meant to be or not. Good point. It's not like we know the motives behind that on Mm -hmm. the show. It just comes off as if you're embracing a stereotype. And typically, unless you're going to subvert that stereotype, embracing a stereotype, not necessarily what you want to do. Especially when the stereotypes are negative. Yep. Yeah. So then as she leaves English class, yes. she goes to her locker and she... No, no, no. So as Juliet gets gets ready to leave English class, she's paying more attention to... Calliope. Calliope than class. So the bell catches her off guard. She drops her shit. So when she goes to leave, she drops her pencil case. Everything goes across the floor. And then she exits into the hallway. While Calliope was reading to the class, though, Juliet like was hyper-focusing on every detail of Calliope, yeah. including this bracelet she wears. Yes. So out in the hall... She goes to her locker, is looking perfectly down the hallway the entire time, walks over to her locker, looks at her locker, and then immediately looks down. Not as if she stepped on anything, though. She just looks down and immediately notices a bracelet. I- that's fair. I mean, that's fair. It just felt a bit awkward to me. I was like, okay. And that's easy enough scene to pull off on like robotically looking down to notice the bracelet. Like you just kind of walk to your locker with your head down a bit. This is such this is this is such a like small peeve. Yeah, I don't know why. It just bothered me a lot. <laughs> Anyways, she- and it continues to bother me because she goes down to pick up the bracelet. Yeah, okay, this is just stupid. And she hisses and like drops it because she burns herself because it's pure silver. But she grabs the bracelet as one would with, you know, these things on top of your palm called fingers. I, I don't think they're on top of. They they are connected. They are oriented towards the top of your palm if you're looking at your hand directly in front of your face. Okay, fair. Okay. So it burns her hand. She runs to the bathroom to put water on it. And because- the burn is on the lower portion of her palm in a U-shape. And there are no burns on her fingertips. Yeah, because she 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 did that thing where you grab things by like 
smacking them. I mean, don't get me wrong. There is like I am occasionally like amused when there's something I can just like push my hand against and thus create enough pressure that'll leave a slight knit in my skin and I can pick it up that way. She's using that classic method to pick things up. You smack it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, it would theoretically stick in her fucking hand because it burns, burns shape into it. Yeah. So. She runs her hand under the water. And then she's like, who wears pure silver these days? Yeah. Which I took to mean that she didn't know whose bracelet it is, but she has to, right? Like, Yeah. Like, she was super hyper-focused. And like, that's the, what the camera show... goes out of the way twice already to show us this bracelet on Calliope. Yeah, the show is, like, telling us that it has to be Calliope's mm-hmm. bracelet. And one of those shots is from, supposedly, Juliet's perspective just a bit ago in English class. Yeah. So she runs her hand under the water, hisses... And her fangs jump out. And this is like, where she's like, oh, yeah, I haven't mentioned this yet to Ben, ben so, or anyone. So, why so do I, I don't want to mention it to you. The person I literally met today. Why do I want to tell you I'm a vampire? But obviously because it's narration and the narration implies like a conversation between obviously the audience and the main character there. The you feels out of place because it very much feels like she's talking about Calliope, but feels referential to us in the conversation that a narrator has. It's just her inner monologue. So I realize. You, yeah. And we get, like, an image of Calliope in the mirror, so, like... Yeah, I, I don't know. I just found it a bit odd. But then we cut to her at home. Yes. Where her parents are like, hey, you know, we said we were going to talk about these blood pill things? We should talk about these blood pills. Yeah, there's a bit of a scene before that where she, like, goes, calls for her mom, flops into bed. Uh, her yeah. mom shows up. They have a nothing conversation. Yeah, it's literally about nothing. Her mom's just like, hey, you should kill people. You should, you should do your first kill. Like, murder someone. It's wacky and fun. Everyone in the family does it. We'll have a party and everything. It'll be great. I just... Is this the scene where she's like, you have to kill somebody? Mm-hmm. Um, anybody. Just anybody. There are hunters out there. Like, if you just keep taking these pills, you'll eventually go on a... You'll eventually frenzy and just kill somebody at random. And she's like, but... Because she mentions the, if you don't stop taking the pills, you're frenzy and kill somebody at and, random. And literally in the next conversation, they're talking about how she shouldn't take the pills. But literally right before that, in the bedroom conversation they have, it was, kill anybody. Just someone, anyone. It's fine. It seems wild. Like, if you're trying to keep your existence hidden from hunters, and we don't know this fact yet, but... She's a legacy, which a legacy vampire apparently is a vampire that is born, not made. They're direct descendants of other vampires. They can walk in the daylight. We know for a fact they cast reflections because we've seen her cast reflections several times. That's just because mirrors aren't backed with silver anymore. Eh. (laughs) But no, like what I was getting at is their lineage goes back thousands of years. And instead of having a system in place where you're like, I don't know go away from your home to get your first kill Mm -hmm. or like participate in the horrible but all too real human trafficking market yeah like buy a person on the black market chain them up in your basement lock your vampire daughter in the basement till she kills the person like yeah i don't know why are Uh, assuming that like the blood doesn't be fresh i don't know have contacts at a blood bank it's about tradition too so like yeah so you you generally need the kill but what i'm saying like if you like there should be some system in place somehow some way like it doesn't the only implication here is that part of the tradition is you have to find your first kill yourself the tradition is, look, you got to murder a rando. You got to go out there and just mm-hmm. kill somebody. Yeah. So from here, we then see her getting ready to go out. Yeah. She gets an argument with her parents going out. They're like, you can't take these pills anymore. Your body's changing. And she's like, yeah, it's my body. Mm-hmm. I'll do what I want with it. And, and then as she's getting ready to leave, her sister stops her, gives her some new lipstick. It's bright ruby red and it's called Heart Stopper. Yeah. And her sister's like, look, you just need to murder somebody. It's not that hard. Yeah. Just just pick somebody, drink all their blood. Not a problem. Yep. Do it. And then we basically cut to the party where her and Ben show up. And yeah. Ben's immediately like, yo, I'm a dip and I'm going to go find the host and try to get laid. 
this house is insanely nice. Yes, I hate the wallpaper in the initial room they walk into. Oh, though. do you? I actually really liked it. It's super tacky. I think it would be fine, except someone painted the baseboards below it white. Yeah. If, it, if they had kept with like a darker brown, which I feel like is probably what was originally in this room with this very safari jungle-esque wallpaper, it would work better. The white clashes with it really badly and bothers me. I will me. say I don't believe this room is a foyer. Oh, God, no. Like, No, this room feels like it was someone's like smoking room smoking room or like hunting um trophy room or like study yeah they presented as this was pretentious old white man who shoots guns and smokes cigar room to be fair this this home is owned by rich white people in savannah georgia yeah i know but they enter directly into this room is my point yeah like this is not the entrance hall or the foyer but that's besides the point People at this party continue to be dressed just like they were at school. Weirdly conservative, except we do see three midriffs at a point, which is odd given the fact that I also noted like six guys in blazers and another five in buttoned up polo shirts tucked in. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe this is just how rich kids party. I don't know. I have no idea. Though there is that one kid with a nice big fuzzy coat and they're the best character. Are you talking about the one that's smoking? No, the one that's smoking is wearing an Atlanta beanie. Yeah. Beanie. This one we see briefly in the hallway when they first walk in and then he's at the island when they play spin the bottle. Okay, yeah. He has no lines. So Juliet is just a big blue furry coat. Is just wandering through the party aimlessly when she gets a text message from Ben and he's like, meet me in the kitchen first. This kitchen is not in this mansion. No. This pantry might be in the mansion. But this kitchen is way too small. Nobody, no self-respecting person who could afford this home would have a kitchen this small. Okay, the only way they would if, if it's in like a guest area in like a basement, but we see the French doors to the patio outside where we see a massive pool and what appeared to be a guest house in the back or a pool house in the back. So it's it's not that area back there, which would explain a smaller kitchen. Yeah. And it's not downstairs, which would explain a smaller kitchen. Yeah. It is it, supposedly the main kitchen. Anyways, Ben is brought Juliet here because he found Calliope and Juliet goes over and talks to Calliope. No. No. They just stare at each other, and then, and ben, then ben maneuvers Juliet to join the game of Spin the Bottle. And Calliope comes over, mm-hmm. and then they play Spin the Bottle. Ben, Juliet spins it. Then Ben cheats and stops the bottle, so it's pointing at Calliope. Apparently, this version of Spin the Bottle means you have to take a shot first. Yeah, and but there's like silence beforehand, and then apparently the guy who's just like in charge of it is just like, sure, why not? Gives them both shots. These are like double shot glasses, yeah. too. Like, they're, they're deeps. They drink, and then they send them off in the pantry. Yeah. So my reasoning here as to why no one got pissed about this. Yeah, because this is, like, nobody would abide by yeah. this. Nobody would be like, hey, that's how, that, that's not how you play spin the bottle. Yeah. My the only reason I see anybody okay with this is just, like, they all three showed up at the same time, and the guy who's apparently in charge of this, I have to assume he's just like, it's going to be more of an issue if I don't let this happen. Well, also, Ben is very popular. Like, that was established yeah. on the Jeep ride. Like, Juliet's popular by association, but Ben is, like, legitimately yeah. somebody people enjoy. But I also have to assume here, it's just like, it's easier if you're just like, okay, they've got their excuse to go into a room and make out with each other out of the way. It's fine. If they needed some excuse to do that, good for them. It is easier to return to the game when we're already having when these two fucking leave. Yeah, but Ben's still there. Yeah, cool. Now, now this guy gets a chance to make out with Ben. Ben's attractive. <laughs> fair. Fair enough. So they go in the pantry, and it's not a closet. That's the best part. Like, typically, teen shows, it'll be a closet. No, this is like a great, well-stocked, big fucking pantry. Like, the type that makes me sad and wish I had an actual house of any sort. I'm pretty sure their pantry is larger than our kitchen. No, I'm if not, it is the size of our kitchen. Yeah, if you like pulled out the stove and refrigerator and shit. And yeah, if you pull, if you literally demoed it and just had the floor size of it, like 
Yeah. So they get in the closet. Juliet immediately kisses Calliope. Calliope's taken aback. And then Calliope's like, oh, you're wasting your time. And Juliet's like, yeah, Social- I told you I'm socially awkward. And then they start making out. Mm-hmm. As they're doing that, we have to have the metaphor that is blatantly obvious here of knocking down a giant amount of marshino cherries. Oh, yeah, that happens. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Because it's red and looks like blah, but it also is an item that represents sexuality. Anyways, Juliet then, like, gets too bloodlusty, bites Calliope. Calliope pulls a stake out from behind her back, stabs Juliet, leaves Juliet for dead, and runs off. Yes. And that is halfway through episode one. Not even yet. Because then, out in the- Almost halfway through episode out one. Out in the main party, the lights go off. Yes. Ben pulls out his phone, and instead of using the flashlight on it, uses the screen as a light. Mind you, the extras in the background use the flashlights. I know why this is, because obviously, none of the extras point their phone flashlights towards the camera. Okay, so, I'm gonna stop you. The reason it is, is because of, is because of filming. Yes, that's what I'm saying. There is no in-universe reason why Ben is this stupid. No, yes, there is. We know nothing else about him, except he's really nice, people like him, he's apparently pretty kind, and he's generally attractive. Ben is a himbo, done. Established. (laughs) Ben's a himbo, done. Okay, fair enough. So he tries to use the screen of his phone to look around, then he bumps into something on the ground. It's Ashley Stanton, a girl we briefly met in the bathroom. And we met her also at the very beginning of the party. Party, yes. Yeah, she sees Ben and Juliet come in and rushes over. Greets them, welcomes them. Boops Ben on the nose. Ben goes, hey, do you know where the host is? is? Noah is. And Ashley's like, check the pool. Yeah. Check the patio, actually, is what she says. Yeah. And then she goes, I love you guys. Yeah. And then disappears. And that's the last time you see her alive. Yeah, she's dead on the floor, head wound, blood, and then people freak. Lights, lights come are back on. on. Ben looks up. There's a really stylish African American woman. Dude, I love her fucking necklace. Actually, dude, she looks. Her outfit is so awesome. Like it God. looks like. So I'm gonna make a statement here. It looks like what they were attempting to go with as Starfire's outfit in Titans. It looks stylishly like what they were trying to do there, but a lot better and not offending my comic book sensibilities at all. Like her outfit, amazing. To know the Titans thing only offended my comic book sensibilities because the outfit was so bad in any form that I was supposed to believe Coriander would wear it. Also, this woman's definitely a werewolf. Yeah, because um, we learn very shortly later that Ashley Stanton is missing a liver. Yeah. So, cops show up to the party. We get shots of Calliope running away. Yes. A fire truck drives past her. An a ambulance car- drives yeah. past her. A cop car drives past her. And then another, another cop, cop car. car. And then, that co- then the second cop car saw a young black lady running on the street. So, turns around and is like, we're going to go kill a black woman. Yeah, so she runs the fuck away, reasonably so. Because, literally, there was no reason to stop her. She was just running. And also, like, I know she went to a party, and, like, jean shorts aren't what you would wear to go jogging, but her top is an athletic top. It's not, like, a fat. it's not, like, a fashion or anything. It's literally made of that, like, I don't know what it's called, the microfiber stuff? It, it looks like it's athletic wear. It looks very much like Under Armour-esque things, or, like, Nike sportswear. It doesn't just look like it. It is. It 100% is. So, really, the huge problem here is this implies several things obviously a cab um but it means that because these cops were definitely called to this party yeah because ashley died mm-hmm. and we know noah called the police he said he was going to but well, he said he was calling an ambulance but well he said he was calling 911 yeah, yeah which when you call in for something like that you're gonna get a fire truck you're, you're gonna get all your first yeah, yeah. responders yeah, yeah yeah even if you don't need them all they can charge you for all that stuff later yay Actually, only really the ambulance, the fire department doesn't charge you for showing up the car, so don't charge you for showing up. It's just just the medical system. Yeah. Even if you don't need the ambulance, if they show up, you'll get charged for it. Except for the fun instances where you disagree with that, don't let them check you over and you sign a document saying that they can't, but they'll pressure you into signing it anyways. Yep. 
But what were you saying about the cop car chasing? It, it implies that, like, there's no good Samaritan law in Georgia. I know there is, but it implies that there isn't. Because, yeah. you know, there's laws that exist like, hey, yeah, you were doing dumb shit. You were partying. You were drinking. Something bad happened. Call the police. That thing where, like, at freshman orientation at college, like, every RA, every orientation, there's like, look, you're going to party. You're going to be worried about losing a scholarship. You're going to be worried about getting in trouble. Doesn't fucking matter. None of that will happen. Call the fucking police if someone's dying from drinking too much or doing drugs or someone got sexually assaulted. Call the police. Please, God, just use the 911 system so that the cops can shoot you. <laughs> yeah, but these cops see a young black woman on the street at night, so they drive after her. So we get a montage of her running. Uh, she, she eventually cuts through a park. Well, no, the, first she vaults over a parked car. Like, yes. The street is two one-ways with a parking area in the center of the street. Yeah. And, like, the cars are parked nose to tail all the way down. And yep. she just, like, one-handed vaults over a car which is very good parkour, mm-hmm. hardcore parkour to the max. So the cops like have to like drive all the way down to the end and loop back. Yes. And then she cuts through a park. And as she's cutting through a park, which we don't really see an out for her at this point, a bus stops, but it doesn't appear that this is a bus stop it's stopping at. The bus is just stopping because they see a young woman running, stops, let her on and immediately start moving. Even but the- you hear cops shouting. You see the lights from the bus driver's perspective. This bus driver is the best fucking character. He's just like, oh, cops are chasing a young black woman in the middle of the night. Yeah, just get on the fucking bus and I'll go. We don't get anything where <laughs> she makes a payment. She doesn't swipe a card. She doesn't drop any coins or anything. The bus just stops. She gets on the bus immediately starts moving. Yeah. Bus driver, goaded. Yeah, 100%. Then we cut back to the party where Juliet wakes up. With a stake in her chest, there's cop noises out in the other room, and by cop noises, I mean one actor making two voices to be a cop. <laughs> That's really what it sounds like. Like, the first voice is like, where do you think they got all this alcohol? And the other cop is like, probably the same place they got them drugs. Yeah, it is. Here's my voice without any attempt at some form of accent. Here's my voice with like a slight attempt at an accent. <laughs> I hope to God it's actually just two people who are roasting <laughs> them for no reason. Yeah, it'd be great. But anyways, she gets up, sneaks out of the house, forgets her phone on the floor, Mm -hmm. makes it home, and... Briefly gets stopped by her mother, and her mother sees blood on her uh, mouth, and she's like, oh, you killed someone dope. Yep. And we'll talk about it in the morning. And then we cut back to Calliope. Not yet. We don't get Calliope's end of the night until we get Calliope's story in the second half of the episode. Yeah, isn't that where we are now? No, because we still got the next day when Eleanor... Or is that episode two? That's episode two, Worry. Because that's the one with the wake and stuff. Yes, cool. Like, I'm pretty sure we don't even get her waking up from this until the start of episode two. Oh, yeah. I just jumped into episode two. Yeah. You you skipped as... Because episode one ends with... With them getting stabbed, as I was trying to say. Yeah. Okay, cool. Cool, cool, cool. I'm terrible. It's fine. The show blends together so hard. So we'll just go over Calliope now real quick. Yeah, no, it ends with the stabbing and then we cut to Calliope. And at first I wasn't sure if it was the next night or what. Yeah, 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 you're right. The stabbing is the end of that. But so everything, instead... everything we just said before, after after she was stabbed, including the cop chase and the parkour it, hardcore. Is the beginning of episode two. Yeah, that's all episode two. My bad, guys. Yeah. So the, Sorry. It's because episode one feels like two different episodes. It is two different episodes. Yeah. Because we get half the story of the same day from Julia and half the story from the same day from Calliope. So we cut to Calliope. She's biking. And the only way we can really tell that this is going to be the same day is we see her put on the same top that she's wearing yeah. when Juliet sees her. And he's like 
most of Calliope's like inner dialogue here is like, I don't really like feel like a part of my family because they're all hunters and I'm not yet. We just moved here, but it's hard to make friends because I know we're going to move again by the end of the semester. So. Yeah. so we see her and her family getting set up in their house, basically. They're smudging the rooms with sage and stuff, cleansing spirits, setting up wards. Yeah. Uh, because that's kind of all happening while she's talking about her family being hunters. Mm-hmm. And apparently they're part of something called the Guild, which is an order that, like, not only certifies hunters, but, like, relocates them, gives them assignments, creates cover identities for them. Mm-hmm. Like, if it's not attached to a government agency, it's super deeply embedded. Yeah. So we get the basic establishment that they're hunters. Then we see Calliope's day at school. She starts just sitting out on the lawn. She's reading her book. Gets hit with a football. Honestly, nothing important happens to her during the day. She meets Juliet. We see the Juliet interaction. Which is important because at that point, no? Yes, here, she picks up one of the pills that gets left behind. Crushes it. Crushes it, and she realizes it's fake blood. And she's like, and you're what I was told to look out for. Yeah, because she talks about how sometimes the most deadly monsters are the ones that look human, Mm -hmm. and that the best hunters can just tell when there's a monster, and she felt something when she was talking to Juliet. Yeah. And then we see that she purposely drops her bracelet after the English class, and that she's watching watching on like the reflection of her phone, or assumedly the smart thing to do, have your front-facing camera on. And recording around the corner, Mm. watches Juliet pick up the, the bracelet and get burned by it, and then she gets home... Yeah, she punches away at her punching bag for a bit and then goes downstairs. Her brothers are leaving to go do a hunt and she's like, oh, I'm going to fucking join you. It's not that she just goes downstairs and they're getting ready to leave. She's laying in her bed just like reading yeah. and she hears them packing the SUV up and she's like, those fuckers. Yeah, because they're trying to leave. We're not letting her know. Yeah, so she goes down and like rushes through the doorway. Her mom yells, hey, be careful of the threshold because apparently they've like treated it with probably salt or something. Uh, Yeah, because they do talk about how when they were doing all the smudging and stuff, they used salt. They set up boards. They, um... She has a hama above her bed. Yeah. Which is, I don't remember what religion. I want to say... But it's a, it's a it's sign of protection. Hindu? Yeah, it's a sign of protection. But my, I'm not entirely my sure. My favorite wrestler used to have a hama tattooed on his chest and yeah. then he got it covered up because he didn't like really... Identify with it anymore. Yeah. Which is perfectly fine to do. Yeah. So... She runs out, and her youngest brother... Theo. Not the Theo. Theo is her oldest. Her youngest brother, Apollo. Apollo, yep. Sorry, Apollo is the hot-headed one. He's just kind of like, you're not needed. Go back inside. And then her older brother, Theseus, or Theo, as they call him, it's just like, nah, come along, we'll go. Well, he's like, it's we're gonna, it's just going to be a minute. We'll be right back. And she's like... Hell no, it's not. It's, it's not going to just be one minute. We'll, it's going to take us much longer than that. Yeah. So she gets in the car, and they are going to... A cemetery because ghouls yes and then they discuss the fact that this cemetery has seen a bunch of death because of all the wars and shit that have taken place in savannah it's over 300 years old yeah the yellow fever sherman's march sherman's army desecrating graves and stuff did Sh- why would sherman's army desecrate graves in georgia i mean sherman's army just fucked shit up as they went for a large portion of their march okay they burned a bunch of shit burned towns and fields and shit i should read up on that then because like that's yeah. that seems stupid so they go they pull out this giant trunk they packed in the back it's got swords uh, actually and crossbows wait, so in, and guns. in the car when they're talking about that she asks why it's been so long yeah she's like after all these years, why? After twenty five years, why are monsters showing back up in Savannah? And Apollo just brushes it off. He's just like, "We call monsters what we do is why we're doing it." And Theseus is just like, "Actually, that's a really good fucking question." Like, and actually, the better question is, why did it take them twenty five years to start showing up again? Especially in Savannah, it's always been hard to keep this place cleaned. And then Apollo's like, "What your brother's saying is, you can't keep a good ghost down." I'm funny. Ha-ha. They get to the graveyard. They pull out their trunk of supplies. Theo and Apollo both get swords. Calliope goes to grab one. And Apollo's like, nah, you're on lookout. Hands are some binoculars with night vision on them. And a, and tire. a tire iron. 
Your even, lookout you, should before. never be underarmed compared to the rest of the group. Because your lookout, one, they have no one looking out for them. They are literally your cover, which means that they get taken out and you're fucked, generally. And they also should act as tactical reinforcements if necessary. Yeah. Give her a fucking crossbow. Give her a silenced sniper rifle. Give her a fucking slingshot. Give her fucking anything. I don't know. Give her a sword, you know? Yeah, literally anything. A, a weapon made of silver. A weapon with silver in it. I don't know. Yeah. Just, just thinking aloud here. And then... Apollo and Theseus start to move out throughout the cemetery before Calliope is in position as a lookout, as Overwatch. These are people are very bad at their job. They spend this entire scene also being like, there's three rules to hunting. And like, I, I don't even remember what the three rules are. One's like, I, yeah, I don't always be prepared is one of the rules, which is, which is a Boy Scout rule, not yeah. a, not a hunter rule. Be prepared. Um, always watch your back or some shit like that they're stupid rules and they don't follow them yeah anyways theo apollo both find ghouls both murder ghouls and Uh, calliope does direct them to where their ghouls are and then she sees a third one and tries to let theseus know but oh no his earbud fell out because they clearly aren't prepared because they have shitty earbuds like literally just only in-ear earbuds nothing to loop it around to keep it on your ear literally they should just have like basic security earbuds because those work over a long range generally they're yeah they're not the greatest quality but you're literally only using them for voice communication it's all you need they're sturdy and they're really hard to pull directly out of your ear because they loop over and then they also i believe have like a small clip that helps keep it in place too for a lot of them they should just be using any type of over like any type of like ear hook yeah, like, that's the bare minimum, but I'm saying, like, you're apparently, like, a guild that's funded by actual equipment. Yeah, because their house, they were relocated by Their the house guild. has a hidden fucking compartment for weapons with an ID thumb scanner, with a thumbprint scanner. Like, fuck. It's also got, like, a waterfall feature out front. Yeah. This house is a guild place because the guild relocated them here. Which, which makes me question why it's not already warded and protected. Yeah, I was about to say, I was like, the guild relocated them. Why the fuck wasn't it already warded and protected? Unless they just bought it, but then that implies they had to have someone go in and install the shit. So it feels like it could have, as someone was doing that, ward and protect it. Yeah. I think the guild is, um... Bad at their job? Bad at the job, yeah. Yeah, they don't have, like, basic idea of what you should have for supplies. Anyways, Calliope can't get in contact with Theo, so she jumps out of her tree... To go save him from another ghoul. And she gets a good hit in with the tire iron. So, you know, if it was, like, silver or, like... An actual weapon. Also, she hits it around the head, which is where you're supposed to hit the ghouls. Like, she would have probably killed it, but, but no, oh, she has a tire iron. And oh wait, it's not a ghoul, it's a vampire. Yep, and so the, the vampire corners her up against the tombstone, and... Her brothers are yelling at her because she's down there. Yeah. And then Theseus stakes it from the back. Yep. And she gets reprimanded by Apollo, and it's just like... Theseus would have been fucked because he was unaware, wouldn't have been prepared for the stake. And if you had, I don't know, given her an actual weapon, maybe a fair chance, but also it looked like a ghoul, as she stated. You both thought it was a ghoul until you saw that the headshot didn't fucking work. Yep. So then they're at dinner and Talia, their mother, is talking to them about... It's literally a debrief. Yeah, they're debriefing over dinner. Theseus basically covers up the fact that Cal got into an an altercation when she's not approved to do so. Also, in this entire part, we learn that her brothers got their first kills when they were younger than her, Mm -hmm. and she had her chance last last year, but failed to kill the thing. Yep. And we also know that kills are represented by arrows on their arm, or at least that's when you get your first arrow. It's some representation of hunters. Theo has three arrows, and Apollo has two. Yeah. 
Yes, and very shortly we learn that Calliope's ex has won, just gets it for killing something. Yeah, and so we the- also learn that there is a guild academy, really, in this scene from mm-hmm. Apollo. Because he's talking about how he's such a badass, they should just send him to the guild academy already. Yeah, so also while they're eating dinner and debriefing, Calliope gets a phone call from their father, whose name is Jack. He's out on a longer hunt and was just calling them to check up and like make sure they had got their assignments. Mm-hmm. And so they all sit down after they finish eating dinner, they sit down again in a sitting area mm-hmm. to get their job assignments. Because they have a sitting room that is... Not not a living room or a place with a television. It's just a nice small sitting area. And apparently, even though they've been here for two weeks, none of them have like taken cover identities or jobs yet. Yeah. And this is just more opportunity for Apollo to be a hot-headed dick because yep. he's complaining that his last job cover ID was a trainer at a gym, and then mm-hmm. he gets assigned a trainer as a trainer again here, and he's like upset because of typecasting, I guess. Yeah. And Theseus is an independent analyst, which they ask what that means. He's just like ah, whatever I really wanted to mean. And Tali is a stay-at-home mom. And Calliope don't have a cover because she's just a high school student. Her her cover is high school student. And they don't give her a card for that, which just... If you give someone a cover for stay-at-home mom... Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, that, that's a, that is a little insulting, I guess. Yeah, it literally, he's basically just saying, hey, you're not actually a hunter. Fuck off. You're not part of the good. We don't care. So it's Unless the, the stay-at-home mom card also has, like, what her previous career was... So it's after this job assignments that Calliope goes up to her room, gets a FaceTime call from her ex, whose name I do not remember. Yeah. And we find out that her ex just got her first kill. Mm-hmm. She's got her arrow on her arm. And they talk about how Calliope might have feelings for a new, uh, some girl for Juliet. Yeah. But like this scene is right before the party. Doesn't make sense. Yeah. Because from when we initially see Calliope's point of view, Calliope is aware Juliet is a vampire, is very fucking certain of it. Mm-hmm. And it's just like all on board with killing her. And she's like, yeah, but there was that moment Well, earlier. it's not even that she's on board with killing her. She feels like she has to kill her because yeah, she, it's her job. She specifically, not, not just because it's her job, it's because she specifically mentions that she doesn't feel like she's a part of the family yeah. until she gets her arrow. Yep. Like, Which we see at a point, because right after this call, I mean, right after dinner, before she gets this call, she goes to draw an arrow on herself and then scrubs it off. Well, also, when they're sitting at the table and, like, Theseus, Apollo, Talia are talking before Jack calls. She's just sitting there outside of the conversation. And we get a voiceover from her where she's like, I just don't feel like I'm part of this family. Yeah, she literally says it. Yeah, she literally says it. So she has decided already, just not even based on the fact that she's from a hunter family, but based on the merit that she doesn't feel like she's a part of the family, yeah. that she is going to kill Juliet to be a part of the family. Yeah. So, but then her ex is just like, okay, well, I gotta go. Uh, my family's throwing a party that, I, that they don't think I know about. Um, also not in Philly anymore. Yeah. And then basically from there, it's just, she goes to the party, stabs Juliet. Stabs end of episode stab. one. Yep. End of episode one. So what are your thoughts after the end of episode one? That it took way too long to review. Possibly because we started reviewing like the first quarter to half of episode two. Okay. Fair enough. The show's terrible. The sound design is almost unwatchable. The more I think about the guild, the, the angrier I get. <laughs> I don't know. There, there's so many things in the show I just don't like. Yeah, I get that. And it's very cringe. Yeah. God, is it cringe. I very much feel the same way. Like I said, it is very cringe. Honestly, I think it's probably just as cringe as the starting part of Vampire Diaries was for me, though. Yeah, but Vampire Diaries is also terrible. Yeah, I mean, but there are a lot of people that like it. What I'm saying is, the show very much does have a niche, and I would say it hits it well. And I would say there are things that it does do well. There are just things I would heavily it, dislike it about it. It should not compare itself to Buffy the Vampire Slayer. No, no, I agree Buffy with Buffy the Vampire Slayer is never cringe. That's a lie. It is. No, Buffy the Vampire Slayer is a zero cringe show. And if it is cringe, it's Xander. Xander is 
is the cringe in that show, and it's because he tries to date his teacher, eh. and then she turns into a bug and tries to kill him. I don't know. I think the very first season at college, so like what season four, season five? Yeah, but that's basic, that's pretty cringe. That's like, basically unwatchable. So. Also, the hyena episode and the caveman episode are both cringe. Okay, fine, fine. Buffy has cringe moments. Yeah, but Buffy is also just canonically one of the best works of vampire-based media. You know, Buffy's great. I'm just saying it does have cringy moments. Yeah, like the entire original movie, but... Mm. Yeah. So anyways, though, episode two, First Blood. Uh, you didn't say what you thought of the show. Uh, I did. It's, it's very cringe, but it has a niche. Do you like the show so far? Uh, not really. I don't like it. I don't dislike it. But that's because I had a very good idea of what I was going to go into. Based off the description I saw for it, it's like, oh, I know what I'm getting into. It just feels bad because our friend's boss's wife personally recommended the show to us. Not true at all. I mean, it's a little true. Not true at all. If you pull the personally out, it's entirely true. Kind of. Her friend's boss's wife recommended the show to us and about a, uh, I don't really know other people. I don't even know if it was really a recommendation. Just mentioned it, and I was like, that seems like a thing I could review. Yeah, that's fair. Anyways, though, episode two is First Blood. So um, let's just go over the things that we already talked about real quick. People get stabbed. Uh, a random girl at party dies. Is missing a liver. Probably a werewolf. Calliope Kuba- runs from cops. Runs from cops. Juliet wakes up with a stake in her chest. Pulls it out of her chest. Goes home. Confronts her mother. Her mother sees she has blood in her mouth. And is like, oh, cool. You killed hold something. On, we'll talk on, about it in the morning. Hold on, hold on, hold on. We have to talk about... Oh, yeah, okay. You're just catching up with what we talked about. Yeah, that's all I'm doing. So... Which is basically where we are now. Simultaneously, while Juliet is pulling the stake out of her chest, back at Calliope's house, Calliope's not home mm-hmm. yet, they have to deal with a shambler. Yes. So Talia starts the scene because she nudges open the door to Calliope's room because she, she hears something moving around in the house. Yeah, she hears racket and assumes it's probably Calliope at like her fucking sandbag. And so nudges the door open. Calliope's not in her room. Theo and Apollo come around the corner. They're like, what's up? And Talia's like, where's Calliope? And then she's like, do you hear that? Because there's a big sound downstairs. So they go downstairs to check and it's a shambler, which a shambler looks like a very fleshy, unarmored predator. Oh. Why? What was your description? I was going to say, like, a fleshy swamp thing. Mm, fair. That was a third-degree burn victim. Fair, but the face is just very predator. Yeah, I'll give you that. Yeah. Anyways, it's very slimy. Its blood is very gross and green. It's and very it's bad CGI. The ugliest of CGIs. Yeah. Uh, so the three of them triple team it. It eventually dies. What they, are the- they try to figure out why it got there. Apollo says he brought a summoner, apparently, from the cemetery. Yeah, they're trying to figure out what it's searching for because it's tearing up their yeah. living room. They realize they have a summoner in the house. Because it, it picks it up and Talia's like, why is there a summoner in our house? And Apollo's like, I grabbed that from the graveyard. And yeah, so they kill the, the thing. Talia's really pissed at Apollo because he essentially grave robbed. Yeah. That, like, that's what it comes down to. He's because the summoner the looked like an old brass pocket watch. Yeah. And Theseus is mad at Apollo because the shambler broke a picture of Theseus and his mother. Yes. And the frame itself was actually made by Theseus's now dead mother. Yeah, because Theseus is not Talia's son. Yes. He's Jack's son. But not Talia's. Assumably. Yeah. And then we don't know about Apollo and or Calliope necessarily. Theseus is the oldest sibling, so it does seem like he's from a previous marriage. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so... She's yelling at them to clean shit up, and we see the fact that the Shambler's body melts, but its organs don't. Yeah, that... That's the worst. That I hate it when all of the edible meat of the prey melts. But and not- then all of their organs still exist, but it looks like the only organs they have are just way too much intestine. Yeah. Yeah. Also- like enough to have already one full trash bag 
and each of the three people working on their own trash bags. Yeah, and also during this fight, was it Theseus? Yeah, Theseus got knocked out a window. Apollo gets thrown out a window. Apollo got thrown out a window. That's what it was. Mm-hmm. The CGI is just terrible. Honestly, yeah. I know it would have probably been a little bit more expensive, but practical effects here would have been the way to go. Yeah. Especially because practical effects are reusable. Also, I mean, legitimately, this fight would have been, I would say, easily 50% better if they just didn't have the crappy CGI blood. If the thing just didn't bleed. Yeah. If it was just like cut, it doesn't bleed because it's a weird supernatural monster. Or cut squid pack explodes yeah like practical effects watching this fight scene is when is when like my, my brain clicked oh yeah cgi is just cheaper than practical effects now yep that sucks yeah i know practical effects can look like garbage sometimes i've watched b-horror movies yeah i've enjoyed b-horror movies but like when the cgi is this bad mm-hmm. anyways so during oh. all of this calliope shows up home so yeah, Talia is taking two bags of dead Shambler out to the dumpster, and... Calliope tries to sneak in. And she's like, where do you think you're going? Do you think I don't fucking see you? Get inside that house. Which, my immediate response would have been... I would have already been inside if you hadn't said anything. If you hadn't stopped me, I'd already be inside. Yeah. So they get in the front door, and Talia's immediately like, where were you? And Calliope's like... I killed a vampire. I staked a vampire. Yeah, I went to a party, I staked a vampire. And Talia's like, okay, explain. And she's like, yeah, so I staked a vampire and it I, passed out. And Talia's just like, that wasn't a vampire. It, that It passed out? Yeah, it, like she fell to the ground. No, you would know if you staked a vampire. They turned into ash and crumble. And, she, and then Calliope's like, like, yeah, I know. I saw one get staked earlier tonight by Apollo. Theo. Theo. <laughs> and... Her mom is like... We'll talk about it in the morning. It wasn't a vampire. We'll talk about it in the morning. You probably killed an innocent woman. Does not mention the fact that she probably killed an innocent person. Glosses over that doesn't say anything. She's like, we'll talk about it in the morning. Look, I get it. The guild's probably insanely powerful. Like, mm-hmm. but he can't just go around staking people. Yeah. So, and honestly, Talia should be way more worried about that than she is. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I get it. Talia's, like, mentally drained from the fact that she just had a shambler teleport into her house because that's what the summoner did. The summoner teleports monsters to it. It's literally a monster spawner for Minecraft. Yeah. Anyways, though, so Juliet shows up at her house. Her mom confronts her about having killed someone. Because she has blood on her face from where she bit. Yeah, and she's like, I'm so proud of you. We'll talk about it. We'll have your party and everything we're going to do. Your debutante ball. Yeah, basically. Which Juliet goes to bed and... Um, hey, hey, hold on. Juliet get, Juliet calls it a monster's ball. Well, actually, that's in their second conversation about the ball in the morning when her she dad's call, there. She calls it a monster's ball at that night, and her mom's like, you don't have to be so grotesque about it, and then sends her to bed. I promise. She, she might call it a monster's ball in the morning, too, but... She calls it a monster ball when it's called a debutante ball, but when it's first talked about, her mother calls it her coronation. Yeah. And she doesn't call it a monster ball then. She just says, can we talk about it in the morning? Her mom agrees, goes off to tell her dad that she uh, killed someone. Well, her, her dad was there, so... She goes off to tell her mom. Oh, yeah, she goes to call her mom because Sebastian, her father, was just like, it's like three in the morning. Do you really need to call your mother? And I think this is a matter of like, they also mentioned the grandmother's got to fly in. Yeah. I think this really is a matter of where does your mother live? Because it's currently three in the morning. Yeah, exactly. If your mother lives in like Spain, that's a reasonable 8 a.m. Yeah. If your mother lives in California, that's also a reasonable midnight. Like, honestly, 3 a.m. Central Standard Time or Eastern Standard Time is, like, super convenient for most of the rest of the world. Yeah. Anyways, though, so then we get to the morning where basically all of Juliet's family is talking to her about, hey, congratulations, you killed someone. Eleanor's kind of happy for her. Her mother's extremely happy for her. And her dad's just like, look, I know it feels a bit weird, but congratulations. I know I didn't say it last night when I saw you, but I'm happy for you. Yeah. So... 
Then, let's see, where do we go from here? Calliope's mom confronts her in the little in-ear courtyard when the sun is just rising, because Calliope complains, like, I thought you said yeah. tomorrow morning. Rob's just like, it is tomorrow morning. Yeah, so, at, like, I guess an hour and a half after she went to bed, Calliope's mother, Talia, wakes her up and is like, show me how you staked her. Show me exactly what you, what, what you did. Yeah, and so Calliope does some, like, fighting move, goes to Staker. And her mother's repeatedly like, show me exactly what you did. Show me exactly what you did. So finally Calliope, like, takes her mother's arms, wraps them around her neck, and is like... Puts like them on, no, puts them on her face. Like she's yeah. holding her face. Yeah, like like they're embracing. Knocks her arms away and, stake, and goes to Staker in the chest. And her mother's face just, like, lights up with, like, realization. She's just like, oh, your form is perfect. <laughs> and that's the end of that scene. <laughs> That scene is so awkward. It's yeah. so awkward. Oh, fuck. Wildly awkward scene. So then and we cut to school. Where Juliet looks like a disheveled fucking mess. Yeah, because her parents think she murdered somebody. She didn't. She doesn't have any more blood pills. She woke up with a stake in her fucking chest. Her like, blood pills are gone. Honestly, her night was terrible. Yeah, because we learned very early on her blood pills are gone because she opens her locker. We have the red light, the and she's out sound. of blood pills. Mm. And then Ben is like, yo, I tried to text and call you. Why did you not answer? There was a dead person. You don't reply. Mm-hmm. Does she have her phone back yet? No, no she gets no, that she back after yet. school. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because Juliet replies to him like, wait, someone died? And yeah, and she's like, someone died. And Ben's like, what do you mean? You were there. Smashley's dead. And he eventually is like, oh, you were still in the pantry with New, New girl. girl. Was it life changing? And like. Was there canoodling? Juliet's like, yeah, it was life changing. And he's like, aww. Tell me everything. And she's like, no, I, tell me about the dead person. Because that's- no, 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 I've been spilling my heart on you since I was five. Tell me everything. She's like, can we focus on the dead person? The dead person. That might be more yeah. important. And just he's like, this once. Yeah, and he's like, there's a vigil tonight. Are you going to go? And she's just like, uh, and he's like, I was basically her hospice nurse. So I have to be there. Yeah. We cut to the wake? No, we see Eleanor at the mortuary. Oh, yeah. Eleanor goes to the mortuary to identify the dead body that Juliet murdered. Mm-hmm. Um, the only dead body is Ashley Stanton, obviously, yes. who was killed by a werewolf, not by a vampire. Not stated a werewolf, but it stole a liver. And if you know werewolf lore, you know there is a huge thing about werewolves and livers. Just as it was a werewolf. Okay. I haven't watched episode three, but it was a fucking werewolf. I'm agreeing with you. <laughs> okay. And the um, Emmy, I assume he's the medical examiner for this fucking place. Yeah, he is. It's just like, yeah, it's fucking weird, man. I haven't seen shit like this since the, like, the best when part I first is started. When Eleanor reaches for the file for Ashley Stanton and he like grabs it to stop her. She's like, it's okay. I'm with the district attorney's office and like tugs, tugs it out of his hand. hand. He's like, you're a paid intern that for works your for father. your father. Yeah. But she's looking through it and she has him show her the body and he notes that there was a head wound. The liver is gone. And then Eleanor notes that there's still blood in his veins her- and in her veins, mm-hmm. which I might be wrong, but I'm fairly certain in an examination like that where you're doing a full autopsy. Yep. Don't you drain the blood so you can do a toxicology i'm pretty sure you are also check to see like the amount of blood in the body and also it allows you to drain the body of excess fluid so you can see any damage yeah no i'm pretty sure you're right but it's at this point where the emmy is like i haven't seen these type of death since i started 25 years ago and eleanor locks eyes with him does hypnosis stuff and just like she died of a head wound. Her drank bl- too much, fell down. Her blood alcohol was 0.08. She drank too much, fell down, hit head, bled out. Yeah. And then she's like, and also stop drinking bourbon and pretending it's tea. Yeah. That might be why you're so sloppy. Yeah. Which, you know, maybe that's why there's blood left in her body if you're supposed to drain it. Which, 
again, I think you are, but I might be wrong. My favorite thing is that her blood alcohol level is a point oh eight. That's like just over most legal limits. Yeah, I no, mean, she's she, a teenager. Yeah, she so. got tipsy. She tripped and fell down. It's honestly, it does make sense. Like it's entirely possible to die that way. I don't know what she would have hit her head on though, given where she was in that living room. Just, just call, just be like it was a point one seven or something. Like yeah, make it drunk enough to be believable, mm-hmm. but not like Jeff Hardy driving a car drunk. Yeah. So then. Then we cut to the office. Yeah. Of Sebastian. I don't think Fr- we cut right Fremont? there, but I think we have some unimportant scene in between. So, yeah. Yeah. Unimportant scene in between. You're right. It might be where Eleanor drinks a random guy at a bar. Yeah, that's what it is. She drinks from a random guy at a bar, uses her brainwash powers again. And then we get the scene in Sebastian Fremont's office. Mm-hmm. Fairmont. 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 Yeah. Um, her dad. Yeah. Who is a DA because she yeah. works at the DA's office and she comes in with the file. He's watching the news about Ashley's death. And he's like, yeah, I heard about the head wound. I don't know why Julia had to be so violent about it. And she's like, oh, that's that was barely anything. <laughs> Did you, you not hear about the liver? Yeah. Uh, and, and he's like, what? And she's like, mm. I know what scene we, we missed before this. It wasn't the blood drinking. It was Sebastian and Margot talking about... Oh, how the head wound seemed a bit violent. And Margot was just like, it was her first kill her. You, she don't, was, you don't have to worry about her being like him. him. Yes. And we don't know who him is yet. But then we, we have the scene where Eleanor feeds on a dude. And then this office scene. And she's like, you're just worried that your sweet little daughter isn't as... Um, he, isn't as innocent as you think she is or something like that. Yeah. She might be more like Oliver than even I am. Yeah. Well, more like him. And then he says she's nothing like Oliver. He's the one that says Oliver's name. Yeah. Oliver being Eleanor's twin brother, Mm -hmm. who apparently keeps a collection of dead rodents. Or it's implied that he like tortured animals. It's a serial killer joke, basically. Yeah. Also, we learn here that Eleanor is the only one in the family who has the ability to hypnotize humans by looking them in the eye. Yeah. Because he's like, you're not supposed to be using that. We don't know like the ramifications of it. Your mother doesn't have that power. I don't have that power. Oliver doesn't have that power. And he's your twin. Yeah. And she kind of just distracts him being like, yeah, 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 whatever. Juliet pulled the liver out of this girl. Yeah. So then we go to the wake. Yes. And the vigil. Yeah, the vigil. The wake it normally happens as a ceremony with the body. It's the vigil. It's at school. And Calliope's with her mother because her mother is trying to find the vampire she staked. And she asks Calliope if she sees her. Calliope clearly sees Juliet. But says no. Ashley's parents, the Stantons, are giving a speech about their daughter. About how she wasn't good at school, but she had a lot of friends and she texted and called people and all the time. And how she was always up for a good time, no matter mm-hmm. what it was. Like, I feel like those aren't words you should be saying in that context about your daughter. Especially your dead daughter. Jesus. Yeah. Anyways, it's too much for Juliet to take, so she runs off into the school. Calliope lies to her mom. She's like, I well, love As my... she runs off, we see she starts to bleed tears, which oh, was yeah. a sign that, that she would be so hungry she wouldn't be able to help herself. That's why she ran off. It's not because it was too much it was because she's crying bleed, blood crying blood yeah um and calliope's like i have to go get my physics book i forgot it in my locker mm-hmm. i'll be right back calliope chases after juliet juliet notices calliope's chasing her and they turn around talk to each other calliope goes i just want to talk juliet like in the closet and there's basically nothing else between them calliope says it was instincts and juliet goes i can say the same and yeah. so juliet turns and goes to run off again and calliope follows no calliope and- turns to walk off again then turns back around to follow Juliet, and Juliet's like, "And no, no sh- this is my new favorite trope." <laughs> okay, and Juliet in TV. This trope is the "I said leave me alone" when you did not fucking well, say leave me more, alone. More of the "I said blank" when you did not say blank. I love this trope. We got it in episode three of Pilot Candidate. Yes. Which you would know if you were following us along on Patreon, mm-hmm. where we are bi-weekly reviewing each episode of Pilot Candidate until we finish the series for you. Yes. 
But so here that doesn't happen and they get into a bit more of a fight. Juliet runs off. Mm-hmm. Calliope follows. They end up on the roof. They run through a boiler room on the second, second floor. floor, which generally those are a first floor or basement level structure. I'm just really sad we didn't see mankind in here. You fool. He was there. He's, he's from the boiler room, you know? Yes. So they get to the rooftop. They end up arguing a bit more like... Well, you kissed me. Why did you kiss me? Blah, 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 blah. Fight, fight, punch, punch. It's a really well choreographed fight, actually. And then it ends in the stupidest way. Calliope hits Juliet really, really hard. We see some blood fly. In the side of the face where she's crying yeah. tears. And then all of a sudden, Calliope collapses to the ground. And like her, she can't... <clears throat> she- Calliope collapses to the ground. Crashes to the ground, you could say. No. I wondered how that song got stuck in your head. <laughs> it was that scene. Calliope crashes to the ground. And then she's like... What did you do to my hand? Why can't I move it? And Juliet goes, it wasn't me. It was my blood. It's paralytic. Which, okay, cool. Your blood's paralytic? That's cool as fuck. Like, yeah, as a vampire, that's actually super dope. You can paralyze your victims and yeah, take them. Yeah, if it wasn't your blood that's paralytic. Yeah, like, well, I don't know. If your saliva was paralytic, so you, like, lick them or kiss them and they paralyze and then you drink them. Yeah, like, what are you supposed to do with paralytic blood? Are you supposed to, like, just, like, take a knife and cut your wrist and, like, splash it all over them? Yeah. That seems like you're leaving so much evidence behind. You buy part of your tongue and just spit out on like a spitting cobra oh it's so stupid yeah so she runs off and, and then, then we cut to school in the early morning and they're both in the principal's office because they were found on the rooftop yeah i assume it was cameras. on cameras yeah they don't say that but that's the only thing that makes sense and the principal's like the rooftop really like people on the rooftop tends to indicate a jumper situation or even maybe a shooter we can't have people on the rooftop How'd you even get up there? She's like, well, I didn't mean to. She's like, so you ran through several marked doors, through a boiler room, and then onto the roof without meaning to. And then... My answer is yes, extremely upset. Also, none of those doors were locked. Justice, they don't have locks in this world. That's actually why the people left Earth and Pilot Candidate. <laughs> it's controlled by vampires, so the humans fled, but then they ran into giant space fish. Caused by a nuclear explosion. The nuclear explosion, which it created a giant everlasting winter on Earth. Pilot Candidate, Impact Winter, and this are all take place in the same world. This is just the precursor to Impact Winter. Impact Winter it then feeds into Pilot Candidate. Okay, yeah. So then Margot and Talia come in. Before they come in, Clive, he's basically like, she... Was clearly upset. And so I, I followed her to see if she needed help. Because she's my friend. And I was... Like, she was the first person to show me kindness when I show up here. Yeah, so then Margot and Talia come in. The room gets really awkward. Juliet um, tries to stumble to re-explain exactly what Calliope said. And then the mothers are both just like, you, we can let them go and settle this ourselves. Look, like, a girl just died. Kids are upset. We'll talk about how to make sure this never happens again. I have an idea. Locks. Yeah. <laughs> On doors. Lock, authorized personnel only rooms. <laughs> also, like... You shouldn't have had the entirety of your school unlocked anyways. Like, a lot of schools have gated systems or gated doors. Yeah. Well, what the the fuck's going on here? Anyways, after the meeting with the principal, Talia and Margot talk in this very nice, like, area that is definitely not in a high school. No, so many of the establishing shots of this high school... It feels very much like a college campus. It's 100% a college. There's no way this is a high school. Even a private academy. I don't buy it. Mm -mm. But anyways, Margo's like, oh, you need to come over and visit. We can, I I know we're going to be really good friends. We can have Chardonnay. We can have some Chardonnay. Talk about whatever's going on between the girls. Talia's like, I'm more of a Pinot gal. And like, that doesn't say anything. There's multiple types of Pinot. What what are you talking about? Anyways, they set a date for the next Sunday. Talia watches Margo walk outside. Margo looks up at the sky for quite a while, inhales deeply, sighs, seems to relax, and then walk off. Very much makes a show of the fact that she's standing in sunlight, basically. Yeah. And then Calliope gets home from school, Mm -hmm. and her dad's home, and all of her extended family is there. 
and they're like well actually we i just remembered we have a juliet scene oh my bad yeah juliet Juliet gets home juliet with her dad yeah you're right well no we skipped with her sister yeah we skipped the juliet with her dad scene it didn't really matter it was just like hey you're not a monster this is just what vampires are yeah you're not a monster next time i think you don't have to do what you did this time yeah also here's your phone back don't leave it at Mm -hmm. crime scenes please yeah that was right before the vigil it wasn't really important yeah sorry here though she gets back and she's headed to her room and the blood starts to set in so we get the red light so we get the sound increase but the sound has this very sharp tom in it and when the tom is hit the lights turn red it is the classic of like powering down lights but they're turning red and uh didn't notice it the first time watching it but noticed it the second time the music cues the light changes Mm -hmm. it's Honestly, honestly, this is the best use of sound design in the entire two yeah. two episodes we watched. And the light here works really well if whatever she's going for is like confronting her bloodlust or her but it's va- the exact her new, opposite of or that. her new vampirism. Technically, it's confronting a bit a bit if she had actually killed Ashley Stanton. Yeah, because she so, gets in and her sister's just like, "Wow, you fucking brutalized that girl. You're literally a monster." Like this scene would work so well also, for some fucking reason. Calliope was in her bedroom, and then Eleanor's like, "Also, where the fuck did the steak come from? Was this before or after you killed Ashley?" Yeah. Also, why the fuck did you take her liver? Like, damn. And then she throws a bunch of pictures of Ashley Stanton's corpse all over mm-hmm. Juliet's room. She accuses Juliet of keeping secrets, and Juliet's just like, we don't. And that's basically the end of that scene. And then Calliope gets home, and her dad's home, and she's like, Dad, I haven't seen you. You've been out on this honey Yeah, mission. and she's like, yeah. And then in the background, her brothers are like click clicking, clacking guns. And then the camera kind of pans, and we see there's a fuck ton of more people. Like her ex-girlfriend. They're, they're click clacking guns. I heard. Yeah, that's what, that's what it's called, though, right? Like, that scene in movies that doesn't happen in real life. Yeah. That's the click clacking guns, where you're like... Mm-hmm. Yeah, where guns make all kinds of sounds when you put a clip in. Like, there's a sound when you put a clip in a gun. It does not sound like a cathartic ka-chunk. It most of the time sounds like a pretty well... Or like... Yeah, there's a bunch of guys click clacking guns, and then the camera pans, and we see Calliope's ex girlfriend, Calliope's ex girlfriend's mom, a, a bunch of other people, well, and, and her dad explains, "Hey, you did stake a vampire. You're right. She's a legacy vampire, though. They don't. They don't die when you stake them. Yeah. In fact, they're really hard to kill. It's even also, really hard to figure out who they are, but and really, 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 really rare. But yeah, we're gonna go murder all the legacies yeah, in town now. You, you brought them right to us. We're so proud of you. Now we're gonna go. You're still not a member of the guild, though. You don't get a tattoo. Yeah, you may have staked a vampire, but uh, you don't get a tattoo. They you may have staked one of the rarest vampires, determined with very little information that they were a vampire. But no tattoo. No tattoo for you. Anyways, we're going to go kill a bunch of legacies, including the girl you have a crush on. Yeah, we're, we're going to kill all the vampires. Bye now. And that's the end of episode two. Yeah. So what are your thoughts at the end of episode two? It's even more cringe than episode one. Agreed. I think most of the cringe in this episode comes from the Shambler. God, I hate the Shambler. Um, also, so- there was a scene on a bar with Apollo and Theseus. Mm-hmm. It's the same Where they meet bar. up with a guild guy. It's the same bar where Eleanor drank that Wooden dude. steak. It's called the Wooden Steak, which is the stupidest name for a bar ever. Yep. Also, the, yeah, the guild guy came to collect the summoner token. And Apollo's a bitch. Apollo um, tries to take it out. He gets yelled at, Says, asks if he's trying to summon wraiths, which implies that summoners literally just summon any monster, not like a specific monster or something's bound to it. Mm-hmm. That's basically it. They, they tell Apollo he's stupid. Also at the bar again later, somewhere in there, Eleanor runs into Apollo, flirts with him, and he's very much in control of the situation. And yeah, that's the end of it. The end of the scene, like they're watching the news about Ashley's death. Yeah. Eleanor goes tragic. tragic he says cover up she calls him paranoid and then they banter a little bit more he gets up to leave and she stops and she's like have you ever had sex in a women's bathroom and he's like no no and she's like don't worry no she pauses for a moment with her arm with her hand lingering on him gives him like a seductive look and goes don't worry you will one day you will don't and then turns around you're, you're that desperate pat pat yeah. turns around yeah that was we missed those two scenes in the yeah. bar 
the Eleanor scene was actually really good for characterization for her. Yeah. The uh, guild one just proved how much more dumb Apollo is. And is also how much more I hate summoners. Apollo? God. Apollo. Also, they know that the summoner is broken. I don't know if that will matter for anything in the future. Yeah, because they're like, did the, did the summoner break during the fight with the Shambler or after? And Apollo was like, I don't know. And then he doesn't just say, I don't know. He's like. Ask the Shambler, pulls it out of the package, and then gets yelled at. Yeah. And Theo is like, dude, the fuck? And Apollo goes, gonna ask stupid questions, gonna get stupid answers. And then the guy they're meeting is like, hey, why don't you do me a favor? Take that chip off your fucking shoulder and listen to me you dick bag yeah because apollo is dick bag mm-hmm. but yeah that's that's all the episode can i make a prediction just based on this episode sure calliope's family is not going to be okay with juliet right like yeah obviously however this kill all the legacies thing goes down nobody on the legacy side is going to die calliope's ex-girlfriend or ex-girlfriend's mom might die or something but like are you saying no one's going to die on the hunter side or nobody's going to die on the legacy side nobody's going to die on the legacy side I sure. think we could introduce Oliver and kill Oliver on the legacy side. Oliver gets five episodes. I don't know. I didn't look at episode counts. Also, he's a much more important character. Just based, like... And I, I'm sorry. I didn't look ahead at shit. You said based off of this episode. So clearly not based off this episode, you fucking liar. Okay, so I didn't even expect Oliver to get introduced next episode. I don't know when he gets introduced, but he... It feel- would have to be next episode. It only has eight episodes. It feels like he... Well, he could be introduced in episode four, five, six, seven, eight. <laughs> you're right it's just the thing of numbers where you're thinking about like something so, actually containing something inside of it you know what i mean i don't think they're gonna introduce oliver and kill him in the same episode that seems stupid but i don't think anybody on the legacy side is gonna die i don't think there's gonna be really any like legitimate deaths on the hunter side either but but i want apollo to they'll, they'll come to like a stalemate and like an uneasy truce and then have to fight werewolves and no then apollo's gonna go rogue and attempt to kill juliet specifically I think they're also going to part of it's going to be them centered around like killing some werewolves or something. Hundred percent, they're going to come. They're going to come together over werewolves. But like Apollo's going to go rogue and be like, "My little sister won't become a hunter because her girlfriend's a vampire. I'm going to kill her girlfriend, fix the issue." Now, like that's annoying as fuck. That's hundred percent what's going to happen. I think that even that like story bit could be better and actually a not bad story bit if it's Theseus that does it because he's the calm rational one yeah it would show character growth and emotion but Apollo doing it just proves he's an asshole and an idiot yeah exactly anyways I don't like this show summoners are stupid like they're the <laughs> yeah. worst thing this show has introduced yet including CGI Shambler I just don't like the show I don't like the vampires in the show I don't like the hunter family I think the guild is incompetent <laughs> the guild is incompetent Summoner, summoners are stupid the only thing this show might have going for it is werewolves but I've seen their werewolves and they look ugly I mean that's not uncommon for shows though the only show that did werewolves justice was being human and what's the show called fuck Wolfsbane or something uh Hemlock 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 did pretty well yeah I don't like the show I don't like most of the stuff in the show I will not watch another episode of the show that's that's it. Yeah, I don't blame you. Honestly, I don't see myself watching another episode of the show, but sometimes I watch shit because I hate myself. I will say, I when I read the article with the interview of the creator, there was a picture of a bunch of protesting parents with signs that said, Mothers Against All Monsters. Man. And that's hilarious to me. Yeah. That's it's hilarious to me that at some point in this eight episode season, not only do monsters become like public knowledge, but instead of just being like, we should form a um, posse and, you know, murder all the monsters, the human's response is, we're going to protest the monsters. We're going to make a mad group but specifically against monsters yeah that's crazy oof the show i zero out of ten for me really that bad with, with ma'am 
Mothers Against Monsters, yes, it's that bad. Based on these two episodes alone, five and a half out of ten. Yeah, I think the show is very much in it like a five, five and a half. Okay, there you go. Five and a half out it's of It's a very middling show. Anyways, if you want to tell us why we're wrong about this show, because you actually enjoyed it, um, and you're insane, you can reach us. By emailing us at copilotsreview at gmail.com. Via Twitter at copilotsreview. Or you can hit us up on our Discord channel by going to copilotsreview.symbolcast.com, where you can find a link to our Discord, our Twitter, our email, our Patreon, Patreon and our YouTube the yeah. severely out of date YouTube. So if you have something to say about this show or just our take on the show, or you have suggestions for us or anything else, feel free to hit us up until then. Thanks for flying and please fly again soon. Mm-hmm.